We are losing too many kids, kids with so much potential, kids with talent and gifts the world really needs. And the pain and devastation left behind for parents, family, and friends as a whole that can never get filled. So I want every parent to know exactly what they can do to support their children's mental health. Depression and suicide affect people of every race, religion, background, and income level. Even outside of suicide, too many kids are struggling. Too many kids that we can help with their mental health so that they can be happier, more successful, and reach their potential. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today we're going to talk about the status of kids' mental health, because it has long been a concern for the medical community, educators, and parents alike. I'm going to be covering some very adult topics in this episode, so if you do have little ears around, you may want to listen to this at a later time when you can listen by yourself. The state of our children's mental health has declined in recent years, much of it due to the disruption and isolation during the pandemic. However, there was a decline even before, but regardless, it's always been something to be addressed. So today, I'm going to talk about the current state of mental health in our children, what often contributes to and detracts from mental health, what we as parents can do to support mental health for our families, both in prevention to the degree possible and how to recognize issues easier and earlier to get treatment for the best possible outcomes when your child is struggling. Because when our children suffer, we suffer. It's heartbreaking to see our child in distress and hurting. And just to share, this is my own experience dealing with this with one of my own children. A little over a year ago, the first sign that went relatively unnoticed by me at first was that my younger son was angering far more easily than usual. He's relatively low-key by nature, and he tends to prefer to stay home over going to errands or outings. So I also didn't really think much of his lack of interest in most activities. But then what really tipped me off was when he was becoming emotionally 
very fragile. He was bursting into tears at the drop of a hat. So after a couple of very out-of-character breakdowns, we snuggled up together to talk about it. Now, it's one of those things, extreme sadness or depression, that I just assumed, given how I've parented, that he would know how to tell me, to tell me if he were hurting. But I think kids, just like adults, it often sneaks up on you and you don't really realize how anything is that wrong until it's really wrong and really affecting us. So I think also he tried to share in his own way what was bothering him, but he didn't have the awareness to be able to talk about depression or a way to describe or share his feelings of being extra emotional or sad. And I actually talked to him about this the other day. And one of the other things he said is he didn't want to worry me, but he had been through so much in a relatively short two-year period. His dad and I had gotten divorced. His connection to friends and school had changed during the pandemic. And then we moved. And at that point, he was in a brand new school with a very different socioeconomic makeup than what he was used to. So he was not being accepted. And it was all just too much for any 11-year-old, let alone a very sensitive one who isn't big on change to begin with. So I got him into his pediatrician right away where he was diagnosed with moderate depression. So we spent a few weeks with some extra time connecting. He even stayed in my room with me for several nights, which I think was a really important part of him starting to feel very supported and guided. And he just needed that extra nurture and love and care at that time, knowing that I was there for him and that I was going to help him find his way out. In the meantime, I was very focused on finding some services for him. And luckily his school had a great counselor. After about eight weeks, he was doing so much better. Today, he is thriving. He loves his school so much that he actually prefers to be at school than anywhere else. And he actually despises long breaks. Winter break, he could not wait to go back. And even weekends, even though it's nice to have the break, he actually misses school during the weekends. He's in a gaming club. He's in the school musical. He has a great little group of friends. He loves to go to the school dances. So catching it early, getting treatment, and doubling down on the connection, compassion, and leadership as your child's mental health advocate can often turn things around pretty quickly. We are losing too many kids, kids with so much potential, kids with talent and gifts the world really needs, and the pain and devastation left behind for parents, family, and friends as a whole that can never get filled. So I want every parent to know exactly what they can do to support their children's mental health. Depression and suicide affect people of every race, religion, background, and income level. Kids need to know the warning signs of depression and suicide and how to get help if needed. Most kids who attempt suicide have shown signs of depression. Even outside of suicide, too many kids are struggling. Too many kids that we can help with their mental health so that they can be happier, more successful, and reach their potential. So I'm going to cover some really sobering statistics, just so we all have an understanding of where we are with the state of children's mental health, especially in comparison to prior years. I'm going to cover a lot of stats from the U.S. because most of you listening to the podcast are living in the U.S., but I'm also going to give an overview of a comparison to other countries as well. So that if you're outside the U.S., you can have some idea of the state of mental health in your country as well. So according to the American Psychological Association, as of January 1st of 2022, 
Mental illness and the demand for psychological services are at an all-time high, especially among children. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention data found one in five children had a mental disorder, but only about 20% of those children received care from a mental health provider. From March of 2020 to October of 2020, mental health-related emergency department visits increased 24% for children ages 5 to 11 and 31% for those ages 12 to 17 compared with 2019 emergency department visits, according to the CDC data. Before I get into some additional statistics, I want to go ahead and cover the difference in self-reported emotional distress rates among different countries. So if you're outside of the U.S., you can kind of have a comparison as to how your country is doing as a whole as compared to what our statistics here are for the U.S. So these are, again, self-reported emotional distress rates among different countries. So this is a percentage ranked on a percentage. The lowest is Germany at 7%, followed by France at 12%, the UK at 17 Netherlands at 19 both Norway and Australia are tied at 20 Switzerland and New Zealand at 21 Sweden at 24 and at the top coming in U.S. at 26 and Canada at 27. So this is obviously the higher percentage, the higher emotional distress overall people living in that country are experiencing. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the United States for kids ages 10 to 19. In case you're curious, firearms are the first unrelated to suicide. Approximately one out of every six high school students has considered suicide in the past year. According to the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, youth suicide is a serious public health problem. It's responsible for more deaths among youth 10 to 24 than any single major medical illness. While rare in children younger than 10 years, suicide death rates increase markedly during adolescence and young adulthood. Pediatric suicide rates have increased significantly in the U.S., nearly tripling between 2007 and 2017 among children ages 10 to 14. So this was even before the pandemic. National surveillance data suggests that roughly 7 to 8 percent of adolescents attempt suicide each year and roughly 17% report serious suicidal ideation. Roughly 157,000 individuals between the ages of 10 and 24 receive emergency medical care for intentional self-inflicted injuries. Non-suicidal self-injuries, NSSI, like cutting and burning oneself with no suicidal intent, is more common than suicide attempts estimated to occur in roughly 17 to 18% of adolescents. So while NSSI is often described as an effort to relieve distress, it has been found to predict suicide attempts, a predictor of later death by suicide. So what can we do? I'm going to talk about a lot of the facets of these more in depth in many of the episodes, but I want everyone to have a really comprehensive overview of the area where you can and likely already are building a strong foundation for mental health. But I want to make sure that you have a really comprehensive view and understanding of all the pieces in case there are some areas that you recognize that might need some more attention. But then I'm also going to cover the signs to look for in child depression, information on how we fund good treatment options, and I'll finish up by touching on suicide prevention. Okay, so first, an area that greatly affects our children's mental health 
is parenting practices or parenting styles. Now, I did a three-part series on parenting styles. So if you would like to dig into this deeper or you want a refresher, if you already did listen to those, the episodes 279, 280, and 281, I discuss all the parenting styles, including the four traditional styles studied starting in the late 1960s and all the modern styles that have popped up in the recent decades. So the four traditional styles include authoritarian, permissive, uninvolved, or what's also sometimes called neglectful, and authoritative or democratic style. Now, authoritative or democratic style is often called by many names these days, positive parenting, conscious parenting, gentle parenting. That's all under that same umbrella, authoritative or democratic style. According to an article in the journal Child Adolescent Psychiatry and Mental Health in September of 2012, authoritarian and uninvolved parenting styles were most highly associated with levels of depressive symptoms in adolescents. Both of these styles are low in warmth, while the other two styles, permissive and authoritative, are high in warmth. So this is on a grid, and I talk about that also in those three episodes, but it's on a grid of high expectation to low expectation, high in warmth, low in warmth. So there's four quadrants in that grid. So authoritative is high in warmth, high in expectation. Authoritarian is low in warmth, high in expectation. Uninvolved is low in expectation, low in warmth. And then permissive is high in warmth, but low in expectation. So that's how those all relate to each other. Also, I have that grid up on my Instagram account at Your Village Online. Actually, I will repost that. So that's going to be a repost. So you can see that right at the top or right near the top. In another article, Frontier Psychology from October of 2021, they studied the effects of parenting style on adolescent mental health in the areas of self-esteem and depression. This study resulted in very similar findings. They found that parental rejection and parental overprotection tended to have the most detrimental effects on self-esteem and rates of depression. So this is where the three-part episode series I did, 279, 280, 281, really susses out those subtleties because parents can be authoritarian and overprotective or permissive and overprotective. So one of the modern parenting styles I covered was helicopter parenting. And this would encompass a parenting style that is overprotective. It's overbearing. It doesn't give kids a chance to try and succeed or try and fail, which greatly affects their self-esteem. They need the opportunity to try and fail so that they can get familiar with and get practice at overcoming and going back and trying again to learn to have some perseverance. Authoritative parenting, positive parenting, conscious parenting, gentle parenting, all the same, for the most part, overlap like 95%, whatever name you want to give it. These all create a balance of having expectations and having rules and boundaries for kids while also giving them the freedom to go out and try new things. Then we're also there to support them without rescuing them when they do fall. So with these parenting styles, rejecting or overprotective will usually be minimal. Critical parenting or what can be experienced as rejection by a child is a low in warmth type of parenting. So this tends to be more common in the authoritarian style. Now, I also want to remind you that we are all a blend. No one is 100% one style. I am predominantly an authoritative parent, a conscious parent, a gentle parent, which is high in warmth and high in expectation. But sometimes I can be permissive. And in a rare instance, I can have an authoritarian moment when I feel like it's warranted. 
but because overall there's so much warmth, it doesn't have the detrimental effect of being low in warmth all the time. So outside of parenting style, what are some key areas where we want to focus to support strong mental health? I'm going to get to this right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. By Heart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back, I already talked about how the first key area is parenting style. We want to learn the tools to fall predominantly within the authoritarian, gentle, conscious parenting style because this style is high in expectation and warmth. It is excellent for building a foundation for strong self-esteem and also has a protective factor against depression and anxiety. So self-esteem is a key focus. It's a foundational piece to mental health. Now, I covered self-esteem in many episodes, including the past two episodes, but I want to get into this a little bit more here too. Self-esteem is confidence in one's own worth and abilities, and it comes from two key areas, a feeling of belonging and feeling needed and a sense of mastery. So we can automatically see how parenting styles that are low in warmth can certainly undermine a sense of belonging and how parenting styles high in warmth often cover this piece of a sense of belonging almost naturally. Feeling needed and a sense of mastery actually do also have some overlap. So if you're looking at a Venn diagram, they're going to overlap and have a dual effect. So when I talk about feeling needed, we're talking about a healthy need, not like my parents need me emotionally, but I bring something to the world. I offer something that contributes to my family, to my community, to my friendships. Having kids contribute around the house gives them both of these things. Their contribution to the family is important, and they're also, in the meantime, learning and mastering new life skills. These are skills they will need later in life to survive on their own. So a sense of mastery can also come from skills they learn outside the home, too. So this is the mastery that isn't necessarily a sense of feeling needed or wanted, but it's also an important part of a sense of mastery. So they can get this academically. They can get this through discovering and improving in their own interests, whether they're the arts, sports, technology, or anything else. Seeing ourselves improve at something builds self-esteem. Mastering something we couldn't do before, a piece of music, a swim stroke, a dance move, programming our robot, training our dog, you name it. The options are endless. So when they see the improvement, that builds self-esteem. Now, It's best if this is a skill that is all their own, that they practice and improve and enjoy. That's really key. It's much better if it's theirs, if it's their interest, their passion, their idea to participate, and their idea to practice and improve as much as possible. 
Now, sometimes our encouragement is needed when they hit moments of not feeling so motivated or interested, we can help kind of pull them through and to get them over a hump. But if it's too much for too long, if they're just not interested anymore and we're kind of pulling them through and it's like pulling teeth, then it's time to consider letting that activity go and letting them find something else that is more of an interest and more of a passion of their own. If we feel too much like it's in their best interest that they stick with it because they're so good, it becomes more about our goals than theirs. So we want to just be careful about that. Okay, so for more on self-esteem, the two previous episodes, number 323 on the stages of development and how we support self-esteem through those. And then episode 324 last week where I talked to Melody about the development and support of self-esteem. Also the classes on the website, self-esteem zero to five and self-esteem five plus. The classes chores and allowance. This helps build life skills, helps kids learn about money and builds their sense of competence around that. Also raising responsible kids, also for building life skills and a strong sense of self-efficacy and competence at yourvillageonline.com. Another area we can work on that helps kids' mental health is perseverance and grit and growth mindset. Now, perseverance and grit are the same thing. It's the ability to stick with a task even when it gets difficult. The ability to push through even when it's hard. Now, this is a personality trait. We are either more naturally perseverant or less perseverant. But these traits are fluid to a degree. So it doesn't mean we can't improve. It doesn't mean that we can't help our kids improve their perseverance. In the episode number 323, a few weeks ago, I discussed how creating an environment where your young child can explore is one of the most important things we can do early on to support their perseverance. Now, if you have a child who tends to shy away from challenges, if they tend to be lower in perseverance, one thing you can do is present them with challenges that are just a little bit beyond their current abilities. So this way it helps them push, but so they don't get overly frustrated and quit. So one basic example would be puzzles. So go from a four-piece puzzle to a six-piece puzzle, maybe a 12-piece puzzle, rather than jumping to a 20 or more-piece puzzle. Even if you know or think they're totally capable of going or making a larger jump. Let's say they're really doing great with their reading and you feel they're totally capable of going from books that are kindergarten level to a second grade level. If it feels and looks overwhelming, so many more words on the page, there's paragraphs instead of just some longer sentences, they will likely feel overwhelmed and just shut down and not even try. So you wanna scaffold them along at the mental emotional level, not just their actual ability level, that they can handle, that they will take the challenge and not get too overwhelmed. You're gonna help them build confidence with smaller steps. And this way you'll be able to help them move to the next levels as they are ready. And this will be much more effective because if you take a big jump and then they just shut down, then you're left with having to try to backpedal and then start over again. So if you wanna learn more about growing a child's perseverance and grit, the class on temperament covers this as one of the nine personality traits that we can help our kids by guiding and shaping them towards their potential. Okay, another area, growth mindset, is a perspective about how we face life's challenges. So you can see how these all are really interrelated. A growth mindset means we see ourselves as evolving, that we can improve with practice and effort, and that our talents and intelligence is not fixed, but fluid. So research shows children need to be explicitly taught a growth mindset. 
they don't learn this through modeling. If you're a growth mindset parent, if you embody this every day about learning and growing, unless you explicitly work with your child, they're not going to pick it up by watching us do it. So the material in the self-esteem class overlaps with this. The activities where they practice and improve certainly does add to it. But teaching a growth mindset is a process that we teach over time. It's guiding in small ways when they come up against a problem or a struggle, of guiding them to a new understanding and self-talk when they say things like, this is too hard. I'm just not good at this. Everyone else is better at this than me. I'm the dumbest kid in my class. Whatever that negative self-talk is that can just pop up, it's not just jumping to rescuing. You're great at this. I think you read beautifully. This is a deeper conversation, right? Glossing over it isn't going to change how they feel about it. And we really also want to work on the internal motivation anyway. They have to feel confident in it, not just know that we feel confident in their abilities. It's subtle and it's meaningful. So we want to ask, we want to get curious. What makes you think that? What makes you say that? And then talking them through this. Some things come easier for some people and harder for others. And you're great at many things, but this one's a little bit harder for you. What are some things that do come easier for you? Right, we're gonna help them. We're gonna have a conversation around this. What are some things that you've improved through practice? Reading is the same. I will help you find ways to improve. And then you're gonna problem solve together. You're gonna find some ways to help them improve, to help them build their confidence at their pace. The class on growth mindset goes into a lot more depth as well on ways that we can help our kids overcome the fixed mindset, which is, you know, all of my talents are inborn. Practice doesn't make me any better. I get what I get. I have what I have. And nothing is going to make me any better at this because we want to help them become more solution focused when they're confronted with a challenge. Okay, so there's two other areas of focus that I really wanted to cover. And so I don't want to stay surface just to get through the material. So I'm going to make this a two-part episode. So in the next episode, I'm going to cover these two more areas that we can focus on to help build our kids' foundation for self-esteem. We're also going to talk more about depression, what that looks like in kids, because depression in kids often presents very differently than adults. So we're going to talk about things we can do at home to make this a topic that is open for discussion and then steps we can take at home when our kids are struggling with their mental health, when they're dealing with depression and anxiety, and some guidelines and help for getting good treatment. So if you feel your parenting approach is not what you'd like it to be, your parenting style, the classes Intro to Discipline and the Discipline Tools series, Discipline Tools for Toddlers, for Preschoolers, for Kids 5 to 10, and Discipline Tools for Tweens and Teens, they cover the basic knowledge, tools, skills for taking a positive, conscious, gentle parenting approach. The same for all other discipline classes like power struggles, getting kids to listen, uh, business behaviors and solutions, helping your child with anger. Those will all help create that really positive, high in expectation, high in warmth home environment that you're looking to create to support your children's foundation for strong mental health. Also, the two self-esteem classes, chores and allowance, growth mindset, raising responsible kids, 60 classes on demand at yourvillageonline.com. And if you join the website or if you're a member, you can just reach out and email us. We're getting an email ready to go out to members. You get access to all the classes, not just on the website, but on the app with your membership. So you can listen 
and or watch offline. You have access to all the great content while you're driving, while you're at your kid's soccer game, while you're traveling, wherever. So you just send us an email. You can send it to amy at yourvillageonline.com. We will get you access on the app if you're already a member or you join as a member. Thank you for listening and see you next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.